Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. This is VoiceAmericaKids.com. It's time for Speaking of Sports, your weekly look inside at the stats, scores, opinions, and facts from a kid's point of view. You can't miss one moment of the action going on in the next hour. Now, here's your host. Welcome to the program, Speaking of Sports, on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Fabian. And I'm Jason. Right now, our topics for today will be Major League Baseball, the up-and-comers. We'll be also talking about our review over the NFL Draft, and also some of the changing of the guards for some of the top teams in the NBA, as well as we'll continue our se- our continuous segment of Speaking of Sports. This week's sport, I mean state, will be Alabama. Uh, exactly, and let's kick things off now in the MLB. Uh, like you said, we're going to be talking about uh, some of the up-and-coming players, the rising superstars, so to say. In addition to looking at some potential MLB All-Stars, we're starting to get a feel for how the MLB season's going to look, and there are some surprising names putting up pretty big numbers. Uh, let's start things off with some of these rising stars, Fabian. Uh, who have you really liked out there among these top young guys? Well, it's hard to say. Like you, For me, it's like the change in Justin Upton, how he's approached the plate and how he's changed as a player has really astonished me, but I think the biggest and best player to come out that's young not known as well, but now you're starting to hear his name out here more. Probably also because he's playing in L.A. and had and recently had that 30-game hit streak that just got snapped. Andre Ethier of the Dodgers, who's been there for a couple of years, but now is finally starting to step up and be that next star for Los Angeles. Uh, exactly. And Los Angeles kind of has an interesting dynamic going in their outfield in that they kind of have two of these young up-and-comers. They've got Ethier, who you've mentioned, and then they also have Matt Kemp in center field. And so far in their careers, they've kind of almost been the opposites of each other. Ethier's really shown the prowess at the plate. He's been a big-time clutch hitter, um, and he's really put up numbers that I think are bigger than some people might have suspected. I'm not sure if a lot of people were really regarding him as a guy who could put together something like a 30-game hitting streak, whereas Kemp is a guy who has all the talent in the world and at times has kind of struggled to show it, especially at the plate. That definitely gives them an interesting dynamic, and they certainly could have an amazing outfield in years to come. Yes, and I've actually gotten the luck of actually getting a chance to talk to both of them before in the past, and I see they're both really just hard workers. And you can see, as you've seen like with most of the NOS, there's lots of up-and-coming talent, like you see here, uh, Matt Camp and Ether, and also you can include the closer, Jonathan Broxton, for the Dodgers, are both up-and-comers who are who have been very strong. Justin Upton and that whole young team that he's got around him there. They're starting to get a couple more veterans in there, but still young. Their ace is Ian Kennedy, who's just been the ma- whose first season in the major leagues that was full was last year. He's the ace. He's been pitching well. And also, of course, you have to say, of course, in Colorado with Cargo, Tulowitzki, and uh, Ibaldo Jimenez, you have a pretty lethal combination coming up. Uh, certainly, and you forgot even the World Series champion, San Francisco Giants. That's a real young core they have going there. Um, everybody got introduced to Pablo Sandoval, also known as Kung Fu Panda, of course, a couple years back. And he's a very interesting young player. Uh, certainly not a guy who's really been the most consistent player out there, but certainly a very interesting guy. Um, obviously, definitely a bit 
uh, in some ways undersized and some ways oversized for his position, but has proven to be a great defensive third baseman and at times a deadly hitter. And of course, Buster Posey as well, uh, the young catcher who just got caught up last year, who has kind of taken on a role as a team leader for that team, leading that very young pitching staff and also being one of their best hitters. So it's really a scary thought in the NL West that this is a division with so much young rising talent, considering that it's also the division that produced last year's World Series champions. And also it's kind of a scary thought because in the middle of the previous decade, the mid part of that decade, many people would think, NLS kind of the weaker, weakest division in Major League Baseball as that was the time when like the AL East was dominant. It's become even more dominant, but also you've seen a lot more parity in the league nowadays because there's lots of young talent. Like Look at the Royals so far this year. They've got easily the best minor league system, and they've got lots of young talent in the Major League level. And also that's why you're also seeing teams like the Indians. They were leading and they have been very strong in the AL Central this year, and also that's why you've seen some what the demise of some teams, such as the Twins and the Tigers and the White Sox. It's just that their minor league systems ha- either they had great talents who have not been able to bust uh, best out of their shells yet, or they have not been able to get that talent. Right, and especially an interesting case when you talk about Cleveland. Um, they're kind of being led by a couple of guys who may be young in baseball years. You look at, you talk about how dominant Grady Sizemore and Travis Hafner have been. I suddenly think, is this 2006? These were two guys who are really on the rise um, and have kind of their in, their uh, careers kind of come to a halt here due to injuries and some struggles for Hafner. So that's certainly an interesting team uh, and in a very interesting AL Central. Like you said, that's anybody's game with rising talent in Kansas City. I'm sure everybody's aware of uh, Soria, the closer for the Royals, one of the best relief pitchers in baseball, along with guys like Billy Butler uh, and other big-time hitters coming up for that team, finally giving the Royals some of that talent that they've been working on building up through their farm system over these past few years. Uh, so yeah, not all teams really developing this young talent at the same in the same way. And Cleveland, as you mentioned, they could be a force here if these guys can finally stay healthy, because they're also bringing up a lot of younger guys too. Yeah, and like I mentioned, remember later on we will be talking about NBA changing guards, but also you kind of see the same thing somewhat starting to occur in Major League Baseball, like especially in the NL East. When you, while the Phillies are still staying dominant, the Mets were always being thought of that next big thing because they had so much young talent, but now most of that young talent is either injured or aging or probably possibly might be traded. We've seen Jose Reyes' name get thrown out, maybe going to the Giants or other big names possibly leaving New York, so they're, and they haven't been performing as well. And Florida always maintaining their solid level of play, even with their low payroll. Also, you can see lots of other teams, like that, that Atlanta Braves, always dangerous team. Uh, exactly. The NL East is a good place to look at for that changing of the guard. Like you said, the Phillies still seem to be on top, but those teams following the Phillies are Atlanta and Florida, it seems. Uh, you're right, the Mets have just seemed to have completely collapsed. It'll be interesting to see what happens there, because Jose Reyes on a real contender is a scary thought. Um, but other teams, like you mentioned, the Braves and the Marlins, uh, they seem to be in it for the long haul these days. Um, the Marlins are kind of known as a franchise that acquires lots of young talent, builds it up, 
and then trades it all away for more young talent once it develops. But they've got Hanley Ramirez locked up long term. We'll see what they do with Josh Johnson because that's a very dangerous duo. A pair, you know, a big time, pretty much five tool player in Hanram, and then a big time pitcher in Josh Johnson. And that's kind of what Atlanta has going too with Jason Hayward um, and their variety of big time young pitchers in that starting rotation. Yeah, and also look at Mar- look at the Marlins. They have a great young developing pitching staff, and it's been solid. And their bullpen has been very strong, as well as they have a pretty decent looking up and coming closer. He's been shaking a couple outings, but he could be very good in the future. And also, Brace, of course, you see it, what has been like the long term stalwarts as we've seen. Brian McCann has been great. As always, there's been Chipper Jones, who's been there for so many years. But also now you see, like, Jason Hayward and Freddie Freeman just and starting to really start for this team and not only start, but really just perform and produce. But also I think the team that probably has, I would say, the brightest future because they have good veteran leadership, they have great young talent, especially great young draft picks these last couple of years. Look at the Washington Nationals. They've had the last two number one overall picks. They will not have it this year, though. But they have used that to, like, Steven Strasburg, who we saw a little bit of last year before he got sidelined with Tommy John surgery, and Bryce Harper, who many people are saying oh, the next can't, is the next can't-miss prospect. Lots of comparisons to Mickey Mantle and such. He was catcher. But they've been trying to use him as a right fielder to prevent – what we've seen from Joe Maurer so far this season where he's made a catcher, play great for a couple of years, and then all of a sudden his body breaks down. Right. Sometimes these guys, even if sometimes these guys even don't make it to the stage of being big time hitters um, as catchers, because catching for all these games in the major league season, it's different than high school or college ball. As we've seen, Matt Weeters in Baltimore, who still may develop into a superstar, has not been the dominant hitter he was expected to be. People were calling him the switch hitting Joe Maurer, um, but he hasn't had the big years Maurer has had. And yeah, I agree. It's impressive that we've even made it this far in this conversation without bringing up Strasburg and Harper, but that really shows how many young players there are in the MLB. As far as Strasburg and, Har- and uh, Harper are concerned, it's, uh, we don't really know how long it'll be until Harper shows up in the major leagues. Some people are saying he needs a lot of polish, um, especially because he's being moved positions out into the outfield. Um, whereas other people are saying this guy could lead the league in home runs today, which is a scary thought. That is a young guy. Um, and Strasburg, I am personally am not too concerned about Strasburg's arm, as at this point in time, Tommy John's surgery is pretty well perfected. A lot of times it actually seems like guys come back stronger and more durable after Tommy John's surgery. So I'll be interested to seeing uh, if Strasburg's near freakish stuff. Um, he's got the biggest two-seamer that I've ever seen, along with tons of dominant other pitches. Um, I'll be interested to see if that comes back with him in about a year's time when he's back. But I certainly, I'd be more surprised if he lost anything than if he didn't. Yeah, and also Bryce Harper got to say, I personally think that, especially seeing how he's been in the minor league so far, he's been tearing it up just like every level he's been in. He he played at college that used wooden bats last year, so it's not like he still has to take time to adjust to the wooden bat. He's gotten used to it. He still led the league in home runs. He led that. He made created the new colleges junior, the new junior college's home run record, which was at 13. He had about 38 last year. He was dominant. He really has potential, even with that Nationals ballpark, which is generally condi- called a pitcher's park. Although that might help, not might hurt his power. It will also help to showcase his great fielding, which 
which they say he has a rocket arm. Uh, exactly. And Harper, he's not really a classical power hitter, you think of. He's not this big, sluggish guy. He's a huge-time athlete. Um, but if you have any questions on what the professionals think of his power, all you really need to look at is the um, MLB scouting rankings, which are on a scale of 1 to 40. Uh, they gave him a 40 in potential power and a 40 in his power right now, basically saying that if he could make solid contact in the majors right now, he'd be the best power hitter in baseball. So now let's take a break. I'm Jason. And I'm Fabian. Uh, keep it right here. You're listening to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. Kids these days are so connected to the media that they can't help but be surrounded by news and politics. Today's kids get more information than kids of past generations, and because of that, they have more informed opinions. Kids today may not be able to vote yet, but they can certainly influence voters and issues with their voices. Tune in every week for America Today and talk about the issues and influence the decision makers. America Today airs every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. Behind the Line is all about the inside of sports from a kid's point of view. This is a look at all of the action from Behind the Line. Join your host every Wednesday at 3 p.m. whether you're a kid or was a kid at some time in your life. We'll run down all of the scores, talk about the games of the past week, and preview what's coming up in the next week. You'll want to take notes because this is good stuff. The place to be Wednesdays at 3. That's 6 p.m. Eastern is the Voice America Kids channel for Behind the Line. Want to laugh yourself silly over the crazy happenings of the celeb world and beyond? Tune in to Behind the Mask on Voice America Kids. Your hosts will uncover the celebrities you know and love, along with some that you might not know in this country, but they are admired across the world. But it's not just the famous that need to look out. We'll look inside the music biz, stage, and of course, the big screen. Listen to Behind the Mask every Thursday at 8 p.m. on Broadway and 5 p.m. Hollywood side on the Voice America Kids channel. You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action. Thank you, and welcome back to the program, Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. I'm Jason. And I'm Fabian. And today, we've been talking about a variety of topics. Right now, we're going to be touching on the NFL Draft. Um, Now, in the midst of all this lockout talk, the on-again, off-again NFL lockout, uh, we happen to have what some regard as the Super Bowl of the offseason, the best non-sporting event in all sports, the NFL Draft. Um, Obviously, they're sticking with the format from last year, where instead of doing two days, they go three days, primetime day one for the first, uh, first round, then rounds two and three in the second day, and then four through seven the third day. Uh, so obviously that definitely makes things more dramatic, but also it definitely makes the draft a bit harder to break down while it's going on. As we saw, the Saints grab a really good first round, um, but at the cost of not having all the draft picks there in the later rounds. 
Um, but that's definitely a strategy some teams take, especially a team like New Orleans, who have a lot of good pieces. They may not need to get the mass number of players later on. They might just need a couple of big pieces. But certainly a very interesting draft. No real, I mean, the big value guys were not the, that wasn't the first overall pick. You know, everybody's regarding like A.J. Green or Patrick Peterson as probably the best player in the draft is what the experts are saying at least. Um, but starting at pick number one, you have a lot of controversy. Yeah, of course, Cam Newton last year's Heisman Trophy year winner and so far, as we've known it, one hit wonder maybe people have called him because he came in that first year in Auburn, comes in, tears up college football and uh, leads Auburn to the national championship victory over Oregon. And, but of course... That didn't come without controversy. There was lots of rumors going around uh, that his father was making like a pay-for-play and really just what we've seen pretty much all over college football and basketball the last couple of years was just pay-for-play controversies, especially with the big names like we've seen with Reggie Bush and now Cam Newton. That, But it seems that Cam Newton's legacy hasn't been tainted as much thus far because of that. We'll see maybe if more information on that comes out. Maybe it could taint it. All right, and you talk about tainting your legacy. Um, at some point in American pro sports, winning kind of fixes everything. So if Cam Newton goes out there and is a dominant NFL player, um, then that could possibly, you know, people won't remember the pay-for-play scandal very much. Um, but let's talk about Newton and the quarterbacks while we're on the subject of being good NFL players. Definitely a lot of question marks in this entire first-round quarterback selection. We saw several quarterbacks in the first round go. Uh, Newton, number one to the Panthers. Jake Locker, number eight to Tennessee. Blaine Gabbard at 10 to Jacksonville. And Christian Ponder at 12 to the Vikings, who might be the biggest question mark of all of them. Uh, Fabian, what's your opinion on these quarterbacks? Well, Panthers, I definitely don't play for picking Cam Newton. They miss that big playmaking guy. It used to be when Jake DeLome's head was straight that uh, Steve Smith would make plays all down the field. Now it looks like Smith might want to get traded when the lockout gets lifted. They need that guy to really create the excitement, especially in that NFC South when you got so many great quarterbacks there. Tampa Bay's got Josh Freeman. You look at New Orleans, they got Drew Brees. And also just that whole division is just stacked. Like Look at Atlanta. Matt Ryan just can't lose at home. Uh, exactly, and everybody knows in that NFC South, you can suddenly go from worst to first very quickly. And what a lot of these teams have done to do that is acquire the big-name quarterback, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, those kind of guys. Uh, and I agree, I can't blame the Panthers for picking Newton first overall, because this is a guy who just has every possible physical tool. Um, you see some of these quarterbacks who kind of run a lot in college, and there's always the question mark, but what if they can't run in the NFL? Newton does not need to run the NFL. He's bigger than every other quarterback. He has a huge arm, some of the best arm strength that we've seen coming out of college. And, of course, he's got the speed and seems to have that field vision to be able to make plays on the run. But, of course, as you mentioned, there are as many question marks as there are positives when it comes to Newton. The -the off-the-field stuff, the intangibles, which there are definitely two sides to talking about Newton as a leader, which is obviously the the pay-for-play bit seems to isolate him. But the team just completely rallied around him in all this controversy. So to me, that makes Newton look like an even bigger leader, a very good leader, based on his ability to rally his team around him like that. Uh, But yeah, as you mentioned, this is a guy, one-year wonder. We haven't seen all the great quarterbacking skills, but just every physical tool you could ask for, uh, which you can't really say about some of the later quarterbacks. Um, Locker, another guy with big-time physical tools, but again, a lot of question marks there as well. Yeah, as we've seen, physical tools don't always mean 
anything in the NFL as the Raiders learned when they got Jamarcus Russell. He had easily the weakest arm, but they didn't realize that he went in there with pop belly. And lots of people still, that's why the Raiders picked him. No one really else, I would, I would think in that draft, no one would really pick him that much if it wasn't for the Raiders. Raiders always been questioned for their draft picks. But because they knew that he had, didn't have the best work ethic and all that, but the Raiders thought that they could make it work. They didn't. But, yes, Jake Locker is kind of a surprise for me, number eight. Last year, if you told me number eight, I would say he was going way too low. He probably would have gone number one last year in the draft because of the season he had and he put together. But still, now look at him this year. This past season, lots of inconsistency. Has really just struggled at times. Lots of times just making bad decisions a lot on the field. And it's just been, at times, bad. But, of course, you've seen every once in a while that flash of brilliance. And Tennessee really does need that quarterback, as they said, they would. They probably will part ways with Vince Young at the end of this lockout. All right, and Locker, Locker almost needs you to look at his almost his college football super score, so to speak, which is, you know, when you take the SAT, if you do really well on math one time and poorly on English, but then the next time poorly on math and good on English, uh, you can get both of those good scores. That's kind of what Locker has going on. And as you mentioned, um, the previous year, he showed all the big-time physical schools, he was ma- tools. He was making big-time passing plays, using his feet well to run with the ball. Um, as team really didn't see a lot of success. He came back the next year, even though he probably would have been the number one pick, as you mentioned, um, with the purpose of winning with Washington. And that's what they did. They went out and they won their bowl game, something Washington is not used to doing. Um, Locker showed some big-time leadership skills, made some good plays with his feet, um, running with the ball mostly, not actually making throws off the run, uh, but had a pretty miserable year throwing the ball. Um, so on one hand, he seems to have the physical tool, the ability to put up numbers, and those intangibles, but we really have never seen him put it all together, especially not at the highest level. And for number 10, I'm not surprised by, by who was picked and not why he was picked, not picked sooner, but who actually picked him. I'm surprised that, that uh, Blaine Gabbard got to the Jaguars because Jaguars this past season have looked decently solid and have really just settled for having David Garrard as their quarterback. But once again, I I somewhat understand this decision. Blaine Gabbert is a great potential quarterback. He could develop under a year with the year under Neath uh, Gerard or Jack Del Rio. As this will probably be a make or break for him. Might actually use Gabbert and maybe see if the Jaguars can finally make that playoff push. Uh, right, Gabbert. You know, I don't really disagree with the pick of Jacksonville selecting a quarterback because Garrard, Garrard has been very solid. He's a really likable guy, which is always something good to look at. Um, but he's he's not a huge face in the NFL. He's not. He doesn't have superstar appeal, and he really isn't a superstar at all. He's a solid quarterback, a likable guy. Um, but he's aging, and they really need to try and big it, bring in a big face of that franchise, and also a big-time quarterback. I'm not really sure if Gabbert can be that guy. You know, he wasn't a guy who was really huge in the college football season. His name started to come at, out as we got closer to the draft. Um, definitely the most, he's more of a pocket passer than a guy like Locker or Newton is shown to be. Um, and certainly not quite as physically gifted as those two guys, but those two guys are freakishly gifted. Um, but Gabbard's certainly a good player uh, throughout his college career. Supposed to have all the big quarterback tools, which is something that we haven't been able to say about Newton and Locker. And we'll see. Like you mentioned, he does have Garrard there. He could sit a year behind David Garrard, which a lot of people still feel is the best route for NFL quarterbacks. Uh, but we'll have to see about him. 
Uh, the next quarterback selected, the last one in the first round, was a couple picks later, number 12, the Minnesota Vikings probably making the shocker of the first round. Um, obviously, the Raiders not there to make the shocking pick. Someone had to. The Vikings, Christian Ponder, quarterback, Florida State. Uh, how do you feel about this? I, First of all, I would say, I, who knows, maybe Christian Ponder could be that good quarterback for Minnesota. We have seen somewhat of a lots of different quarterbacks for Minnesota last year and lots of different quarterbacks for the last couple of years. You've seen names like Brett Favre, but also you've seen guys who have been good but sometimes really bad, like Tavares Jackson and even Joe Webb playing quarterback for him. So there was no doubt that the Vikings needed a quarterback. I'm not sure that was the best decision to make at that time because there was plenty of players that if there will be a good time for free agency after this lockout that they could have gotten because there's guys like maybe Don McNabb could be leaving, as I mentioned earlier. Vince Young could be leaving. Carson Palmer could be leaving. Uh, Matt Hasselbeck be a free agent, and also it's also a surprising pick because look look at look who else was still left on that board that the Vikings could made could use to create and adjust address those issues because look they had some offensive line issues last year I don't see why they couldn't have picked maybe Mike Pouncey who went 15th to the Dolphins and maybe also their their D backs last year were not good not really above not really up to par in the NFL last year so they could have gotten Prince of Mukamara who went 19 to the Giants there's lots of good players that would have fit that team that were picked after that were still on the board when the Vikings came up with that 12th pick all uh, right and I think that's kind of the tone of this draft I feel that this is a very talented draft uh, even early on everywhere but the quarterback position um, which definitely is bad bad for a lot of the teams who are lacking a quarterback right now in the NFL like you mentioned, the Vikings not only passed on a lot of good players at other positions, uh, but there were a couple of quarterbacks who I know a lot of the experts had above Ponder on their draft boards, uh, namely Andrew Dalton at TCU, and probably the one most people know is Ryan Mallett, who was uh, considered for the top pick in the draft early on this draft process. Um, the one thing Ponder does really bring that the other two guys can't is he doesn't have the massive question marks Dalton and Mallett have. Um, Dalton, he's a winner, as he's proved at TCU. He's a leader. Um, but does he really have an NFL arm? And then Mallet, we've heard questions about his intangibles and questions about his footwork and accuracy. He's got a cannon arm, but as you mentioned, that could just make him another Demarcus Russell. Uh, so Ponder, despite seeming like this really risky out there pick, might have actually been the safest pick if they wanted to go with that quarterback position. Yeah, but it's similar with all almost every single co- uh, college quarterback, except maybe the possibility of Andrew Luck, who might be the number one pick next year. Lots of quarterbacks are not used to coming from behind center. That's what really the quarterbacks have been working on this year. Like As you've seen college football transition to more of a shotgun spread type offense, they've had to readjust themselves when they get to the pro level. Uh, definitely a lot of interesting question marks at quarterback next year in the NFL. Hopefully the season does get going with all this lockout business. Uh, now let's take a break. I'm Jason. I'm Fabian. Uh, Keep it right here. You're listening to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you believe in the supernatural? Well, some do and some don't. 
which is why Beyond the Third Dimension looks at both sides. You have one host who believes in ghosts, while the other can't think of anything more ridiculous. Put them together and you get some great discussion and some real discoveries and exploration of the paranormal, and then some. Tune in to Beyond the Third Dimension, airing Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. And try not to be afraid of things that go bump in the night. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Kids face very tough and very real issues every single day. It can be bad. It can be ugly. Now there's something good that can help. Tune in to The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll discuss the issues and provide solutions and connections to solutions that you will be able to use. Our show goes right to the heart of today's kids and beyond. Your parents will probably want to listen in, too. The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly airs Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 Eastern on Voice America Kids. You just love your pets. But sometimes they can get to be a handful. And just when you think you have them under control, that's when things get, well, crazy. For help, tune into Paul's Around the World. You'll get the inside secrets on keeping your pet the friend it's supposed to be, along with stories to keep you warm and fuzzy. Listen Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action. Welcome to the program, Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Fabian. And I'm Jason. Right now, we're going to be talking about our new segment, our continued segment from last, uh, from our last show, which is states and sports, and this week's state will be Alabama. And also, we'd like to let you know if you'd like to email the show, send it to voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. Make sure to mention my name, Fabian. Or my name, Jason. And mention the name of the show, which is Speaking of Sports. Tell us something or ask questions that we can mention or maybe possibly answer on the show. Uh, and certainly when you're looking at the history of a state like Alabama, that's definitely a large place for um, some of our listeners to email in. Uh, and that a lot of this famous Alabama football history, going back to the uh, historic college football program at the University of Alabama, and of course with their arch rivals at Auburn, that's something that we haven't lived through for the most part, except for, of course, the recent resurgence uh, with Alabama under Nick Saban and, of course, Auburn winning the national championship this year. Uh, so if our knowledge is a little shaky on those two subjects, certainly feel free to email into the show, um, correct us, explain it, and whatnot. Ask questions if you'd like to. Um, but a lot of great athletes coming out of Alabama, even not out of those football programs, all around in sports, really. Yes, and also... What you see in Alabama, out of Alabama, especially in the past, lots of great baseball talent actually coming out of there, and that's really Alabama's not really known for that. And there's been great players such as, of course, what many people argue is the greatest player in the history of the game, possibly Willie Mays, and also the form, at least former home run all-time home run king, and Hank Aaron, 
as well as Satchel Paige and Frank Thomas. Uh, right, a lot of big names coming out of Alabama in baseball. Um, as you mentioned, Hank Aaron and Willie Mays, two of the greatest to ever play the game, arguably the greatest of all time in Willie Mays, and once again, arguably the home run king in Hank Aaron, depending on what your opinions of Barry Bonds are. <coughs> um, and yeah, big-time outfielders coming from Alabama, and certainly kind of revolutionary guys. Um, you know, Obviously, the color barrier had already been broken in Major League Baseball at that point, but still two guys intrume- instrumental uh, in the progress of African-American players in Major League Baseball. Uh, and two of the biggest time, two of the biggest hitters of all time, Hank Aaron, as I mentioned before, former home run king, and Willie Mays. A lot of people argued if it wasn't for the time he'd missed, he would be an 800 home run hitter. Yeah, and also speaking of home run hitters, look at Willie Mays' home run hitting partner there, William McCovey, also coming out of Alabama. And there's Satchel Paige, who maybe will say had one of the best fastballs in Major League history. You know, he had a short Major League career. And a late starting major league career, and also look at Ozzy Smith, who was a great shortstop for many years. Don Sutton, a great Hall of Fame uh, pitcher, and also there's one point in 1932. All three outfielders of that New York Yankee champs were from Alabama, and those being Ben Chapman, Dixie Walker, and Sam Bird. Uh, exactly, and the trend seems to be outfielders from Alabama for the most part. Um, obviously, you've mentioned pitchers and other position players like Ozzie Smith. Uh, Ozzie Smith knows the Wizard, one of the all-time defensive players at shortstop. And in his prime, he could hit, too. Uh, certainly, by, the, by today's standards, he might be considered a light-hitting shortstop, but a guy who was just such a defensive marvel that it didn't really matter. Uh, obviously, he's known in part for doing backflips on the field, uh, which is certainly something that they wouldn't let you do in today's Major League Baseball with the contract situations out there. Uh, but exactly, a lot of big-time home run hitters, big-time players all around in Alabama baseball. Yes. Um, moving on, they have some of the more notable athletes in other sports, too. Uh, their football program is certainly what they're most well-known for, University of Alabama football, of course. Yeah, and also, you can't forget University of Auburn. And that that is probably, I would say, one of the most underrated rivalries, if you even call it underrated, because it's still very hyped up. But there's still something that you really can't explain unless you're a part of that rivalry between Auburn and Alabama. Uh, exactly, and of course, in the past year, we've seen that rivalry, you know, come to uh, the forefront a little bit more, both with the revival of those two teams, and of course with the notable news story, um, the guy who poisoned the trees. You know, the heat of that rivalry round up killing uh, a major mascot of the school's. Um, uh, so certainly a big-time rivalry that really started a very long time ago with big-time coaches. Um, John Heisman um, of the University of Auburn, you might be familiar with a trophy with a similar name, and of course Bear Bryant, the legendary Alabama coach who some people regard as the greatest coach in the history of college football, or maybe just the greatest host coach in the history of football. Yes, and also these two have also produced lots of great talents, especially in the more recent years. Look at Especially in this past draft, in the first round, there's a player, a superstar player, actually two superstar players for Alabama that come in the first round. Those two from Alabama being Marcel Darius and also Mark Ingram, who was Heisman Trophy winner two years ago, 
And last year's Heisman Trophy winner, Cam Newton of Auburn, going first overall to the Panthers. Exactly. And to me, at least, I think a lot of sports fans would agree, um, reviving these old rivalries is very good for sports. Sports is just a better place when you have these huge rivalries, when Alabama and Auburn are good, um, when you have you know the big-time historic programs and their rivalries going on. When Notre Dame's good, it's good for college football, whether you love them or love to hate them. And it's very similar with these two teams where having one of them up is very good, but having both of them for that great rivalry, you know, the Yankees-Red Sox of college football, um, is a great thing for the sport. And hopefully we'll get to see that continue in recent years. I mean, that Auburn team was a lot of Cam Newton, but there was still a lot of talent around that team um, and a great recruiting class coming in. Yeah, also I forgot to mention Nick Fairley also going number 13 to the Lions. So. And both show have been somewhat described as the elite of college football now coming. People are starting to downgrade Auburn without Cam Newton nowadays, but still I feel that Auburn still has potential to be one of the top teams in the country, one of the top programs in the country. Certainly this past year helped, especially with their um, incoming recruiting classes, as well as look at Alabama, Nick Saban, who has won two national championships with two different programs, LSU, they went to Miami, Dolphins of the NFL, didn't do as well there, but when he came back to college, he really helped bring back Alabama's program, which has always been known as the class program of college football. Uh, exactly, and you talk about what if Auburn's a little bit down next year. Um, the thing is, is both these programs could kind of afford to be a little bit down, um, in that the SEC, which is regarded as you know the major leagues of college football, it's widely considered as the top conference, at least nowadays. Um, it's a bit down, especially in the Florida schools. You know, University of Florida going through coaching changes. Same thing for the state. Uh, Miami, a lot of question marks there. They haven't really been dominant in a few years. Uh, so these, both these schools can afford uh, to lose some of these star players in the interest of rebuilding their programs. And also we've seen like an emergence of the Pac-10 as really been one of those top flight conferences, as well as the Big 12 and, uh, well, and the Big 10. Although you can see some of those names changing with some of so with so many teams changing conferences these next years, but still lots of tough teams like Nebraska really established itself as a tough team last year. Wisconsin, Ohio State will probably struggle at the beginning of the year because of the, all the suspensions to first of all Jim Trestle, the head coach, and also pretty much the core of their team with including big names such as Terrell Pryor. But also look at the rest of the conferences; they've been very strong over the last couple of years. And maybe look at the whack coming out with a couple of good teams. Boise State and Nevada have been good in the last year. Right, and that just helps to show some of the impressiveness of what we've seen out of these Alabama schools. Is exactly the other conferences have gotten very strong. And frankly, we've seen some dominant play in some of these interconference games by SEC teams, including the, the two out of Alabama, of course, Bama and Auburn. And also, going back to kind of the historic importance, is like you mentioned, all this changing around with the Pac-10 and the Big 12. While the SEC certainly has received recent, has received you know new schools, they've seen changing. Is there doesn't seem to be this massive amount of movement going on in the conference, um, which definitely quite kind of shows how Alabama and Auburn have been able to kind of be that stable, the rock for the conference to really keep it in the forefront of college football by having two big-time, big-name historic programs. Yes, and like you've seen many teams in the SEC that have stayed, like what we've said before, Alabama and Auburn, but also look at South Carolina. Their program has really started to rejuvenate itself, as well as 
Florida, who's been down this last year, but we saw they were dominant right before Alabama and Auburn were dominant. And Tennessee, they I feel like they might be like one or two big players away from becoming that contender once again. And really, it's been lots of guys who have been there for a long time and have done a good job in that conference. Uh, exactly, definitely big time, st- uh, big time stability in that conference. Uh, obviously, nothing's truly stable in college football. The way all these things move about, you know, players are only there for a maximum of four years, and that really also adds to why it's so impressive for these schools to be such historic programs. Is it really takes a lot to do that? You can't just be a great team. You really have to be a great program, and that definitely started a long time ago, you know, before our days, certainly, with the building of these programs under you know the Bear Bryants and John Heisman's of the world. Um, and it's continued. They've made, been able to carry that tradition. Um, Alabama certainly stayed rich on its traditions, very important to the people there. And the college football programs at those two universities have really done a great job carrying that. Yeah, it's kind of a surprise to me that they don't have really any professional sports teams because these college teams have had such great fan bases. But yet again, me saying that might be also a contradiction for why there might not might, there might not be really a professional sports team there. They don't want to ruin any of that college connection there. And say maybe college connection will be different once there's a pro team there, if there's a pro NFL team there. Maybe the and if the level is not as good then it will definitely struggle, especially in comparison to as we've seen like the big big upper class college football one we've seen with Auburn and Alabama. Uh, certainly. And even if you look beyond college football uh, and baseball, as we previously mentioned, into some of these less notable sports, you still see some of the greatest names of all time coming out of Alabama. I mean, take Jesse Owens, for example, uh, who has done more like on a world stage than many other athletes can possibly say. You know, at the Olympics during the times of World War II, questioning that, you know, Nazi superiority, dominating the Olympics, making a big stand uh, for the United States and for, you know, the people of Alabama to some degree. Uh, So now let's take a break. I'm Jason. I'm Fabian. Uh, Keep it right here. You're listening to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. The Terrence Rogers Show will take the world by storm. The topics are sometimes newsworthy, sometimes personal, as we explore fashion, entertainment, art, and more. Host Terrence Rogers has seen a lot of life experience in his few years of life. It's this experience that allows him to bring a fresh perspective to the table, and he holds nothing back. Tune in to The Terrence Rogers Show every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids channel. You'll laugh, cry, and most importantly, this show will reach out and touch your life. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. What is Take Two? Take two crazy hosts, put them in front of two microphones, and use your two ears to enjoy the fun. Times two. Take Two. We'll go back, way back to the favorite TV shows of our childhood. Your parents' childhood. Um, no. No. 
Uh, try again, Chris. Take two. We'll take you back to the favorite TV shows of our generation, past and present, and apply them to what's going on in our own lives. Trust us, it'll be a blast. Tune in to Take Two every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Kids channel. There is so much going on in the tech field. The Technology Show is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do a thing until you've tuned in to The Technology Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Kids. What are some of the issues that kids face every day? You'll find out when you tune into the appropriately named Today's Kids. Your hosts are here to open the doors to a forum of all kinds of issues. Nothing is off the table here. And because it's on the Voice America Kids channel, you know you're getting a kid's perspective. Tune in every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Today's Kids. Your hosts will lead this forum of engaging conversation on Voice America Kids. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action. Thank you, and welcome back to the program, Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jason. I'm Fabian. And right now we're talking about the NBA. Uh, we're going to be looking at some of the changing of the guard going on in the NBA, a lot of these old teams falling to younger teams in the playoffs, and just in general, it looks like some of these new teams have really come to uh come to their existence in these past couple of years are really going to become the uh, the dynasties of years to come. Yeah, especially one team I definitely want to talk about is a team that I think has been solid the last couple of years, and I've really seen this coming, especially with such a young core, and a trade that they made in midseason that I think would de- definitely made them into a title contender and that they could easily win this NBA title if they keep working and playing the way they will they have been, and that is Oklahoma City. Definitely, that young core is unbeatable. You have Russell Westbrook who can score, he can pass. He's athletic. He's been. I think he's uh, not as capable, but still very capable as Derrick Rose. And also look at James Harden, who's the, the ultimate workhorse for that team. He can do everything. And also Kevin Durant, two straight years has been the leading scorer in the NBA. And that bench coming has been very good. When you have a guy like Nate Robinson, who's a really just productive scorer off the bench, just barely getting into the playoffs, playoff game for the first time in game four, in game five of a series in the second round, that shows how deep your bench is. Uh, definitely. I'd like to go back to James Harden, who you mentioned. He seems to kind of been the reason that they were willing to make that trade, Jeff Green, for Kendrick Perkins, and that he's really he's been taking Green's minutes, and he's an interesting player out there. As you mentioned, he's a big time workhorse. He's got a ton of effort, uh, but he can also show some of that big time scoring ability that he showed at Arizona State. 
and I agree, Kevin Durant, in my opinion, a top five player in the NBA. I know uh, with this past season, the dominance of Derrick Rose has come to a lot of question marks as to who these really super elite guys might possibly be. Kevin Durant, as you mentioned, two-time scoring champion, definitely one of the top players in the NBA. And I agree with you. They've really developed over the past couple of seasons. They've allowed their team to grow. They've drafted very well. Green, um, Durant, Westbrook, Harden, all of these guys drafted by this team. Um, and they've really allowed their team to grow and develop as a whole. And their whole team, I mean, they're not in their prime yet. They could, in a couple of years even, be much better than they are now, which is a scary thought. Uh, the one question mark I really have is Russell Westbrook at the point guard. Um, to me, with a team with this much talent, he kind of shoots a bit too much. I understand he's a scoring point guard, but I don't know. Fabian, do you think they might be better off with more of a distributor? I'm not sure, because especially with young player, you don't really want to try to change them, because that really could harm their potential. I think for now, at least, what, let Russell Westbrook roam. Let him learn the game, and maybe as he matures a bit more, he'll see starting pass a little bit more. Or if not, that's just the player he's going to be. You'll have to get used to it. As we saw with Kobe Bryant somewhat, he, not as much of a passer, more of a scorer. We thought maybe that could change. It hasn't, but still we got used to it. He's still one of the best players in the NBA. But I think the trade that's really just made this Thunder season, the trades that they made to acquire Nazir Muhammad and Kendrick Perkins, now they have a physical physicality to them, and they have strength inside. Nick Collison has been great also when he's played there, but now they have physicality and intimidation inside, and it's good that they got Perkins locked up long term. He was the reason why the Celtics, I, I believe, went to the finals last year, and I think that's the reason why the Celtics aren't going to the finals this year is because they traded him away. He is just... He can put up double-digit scoring. He can put a double-digit rebounding on any given night, and also he can—he's a guy who can guard your that one elite center. He can guard your Andrew Bynum's. He can guard your Pau Gasol's. He can guard your Dwight Howard's, as we've seen this past couple of years. He can guard the big and bad centers and big and the big men in this NBA, and that's what I think will make a difference for Thunder. Uh, definitely, and I'm someone who I think, like most sports fans in America, have not re- didn't really see a ton of the Thunder until this postseason. And what's impressed me, as you mentioned, is their big men, but their depth at big men. Um, to me, they really have three good young post players down there. They've got Perkins, as you mentioned, Collinson, and then uh, Ibaka, who most people kind of learn to recognize in the dunk contest, but really looks like a solid defensive player in addition to what he can do on offense. Uh, that's definitely a scary front line to combine with those two big-time perimeter scorers in uh, Westbrook and Durant. And they certainly have a good supporting cast around them. Uh, as you mentioned, workhorses like Harden and other guys who can be you know, the defensive specialists, fill those little roles that the big-time superstars don't always take care of. And Serge Ibaka, speaking, speaking of him, he, I believe that, honestly, if he polishes his game a little bit, remember, he is just a rookie. If he does polish his game a little bit, maybe in a couple of years, maybe one or two all-star appearances. Because he has shown some scoring prowess at times. He is very instinctful in the post and is easily has been the best shot blocker in these playoffs. He's a great shot blocker. He can really get above the rim. I really think he got uh, got a little bit short end of the stick when it came to that uh, slam dunk contest. Well, he gave, didn't I? I believe didn't give him his full worth for that free throw line dunk he had, which was absolutely phenomenal. I think Serge Ibaka could be a great player, or if not, he could turn into that Kendrick Perkins like player. 
who can score double digit points, double digit rebounds, but can also defend and block. Right, exactly. And as you mentioned, this is a guy with huge athleticism and a big time NBA center's body. And at this point, all he's missing is, as you mentioned, that basketball polish. And that's something that they can teach. I mean, it doesn't always work when they teach it, but you just can't teach the athleticism and size that he has. Um, that makes the Thunder a very scary team. Is that front court, not the back court of Westbrook and Durant that people might be more familiar with. Uh, moving on, the team the Thunder played in the conference semifinals, we have the Memphis Grizzlies, who seem to have come out of nowhere as the 8th seed in the uh, Western Conference, knocking off the Spurs, surprising everyone, and just looking like a very serious contender, frankly, for years to come. I don't see his team as a one-and-done deal. Especially for me, I personally, in my opinion, I kind of saw this coming, because I saw how the Spurs played in that second half of that season. They looked tired. They looked ragged. They just weren't as good as they were when they got off to that great start to the season. I kind of saw this coming. I saw Memphis was consistent, played well all, all season long, and I saw that young support, young cast really just grow together. Like Zach Randolph had a huge year. He's had a huge playoffs. Marcus Saul is really has been better than his brother in these playoffs. And that's pretty hard to say because Pau Gasol is generally one of the better and more consistent guys in the league. And then you look at Tony Allen has really turned into a defensive guy for them, the real turn-to guy. And also Mike Conley has really developed. And also what surprised me is they've done all this without Rudy Gay. It kind of makes me looking forward, really hoping to see what could happen if Rudy Gay does happen does do when the, he's healthy and this whole team could do together. I think they could be one of the best teams in the Western Conference if they have Rudy Gay with them. Exactly. Um, and coming into this uh, postseason, I think you ask a lot of people, you mentioned that Memphis is in the playoffs doing well. They probably figure, oh, Rudy Gay must be b playing well. O.J. Mayo must be playing well. And, of course, they realize Rudy Gay is injured. O.J. Mayo comes off the bench these days and is a very effective bench player. And as you mentioned, this is just a solid core, uh, almost a bit of a team of misfits, really. Some of these guys are top-tier talents, big-time draft picks. Um, but you look at Zach Randolph, a guy who has he's struggled. He hasn't gotten along well in most of the places he's played in throughout his NBA career. Um, but really, just looking like one of the dominant post-presence in the NBA in these playoffs. A big-time 2010 guy, a very bizarre game out of Zach Randolph. Everything he does looks strange. He's a left-handed guy, which certainly adds to it. Um, but his unconventional game allows him to function as one of the best post players in the NBA. Um, and him combined with Gasol give them big-time front court. And then exactly, big-time backcourt players. Uh, Connolly's really impressed me as a pass-first point guard. Um, and just big-time playmakers all around on this team. It's really an impressive level of talent when you look at it. And also, look look at this team. Look, Zach Randolph. He can he knocked down a couple of threes in that series against the Spurs. He It's just a team... Filled with players that the that no other team could think that they could get. They've been kind of like the Raiders, you would say, of the NBA, getting all the misfits, and actually it's working out. They, you can see that this town is really rallying behind this team, cause, and which you haven't really seen happen ever since they moved here, moved to Memphis from Vancouver, and it was they actually won the first ever home playoff game after because they had gone to the playoffs once before, lost got swept by the Phoenix Suns, but still, Memphis, we've seen one or two good teams out of them, but now we see the reorganization. I think the thing that really helped make them into a contender and made them 
into a team that I think could actually make a decent run in these playoffs is Shane Battier. He has really, getting him back on that team, he has been really just the leader of this team, vocal leader of this team. Not He's been really clutch from not good knockdown shooter to have come off the bench. Brings physicality. He's just a guy that you want to have on your team. Uh, exactly. And as you mentioned, Battier and Allen, uh, is this team is a defensive team. Those two guys, defensive specialists, but the team as a whole is really bought into this defensive philosophy. And I think they play the best defense in the Western Conference. They play Eastern Conference style defense, uh, where you look at the Celtics and Bulls and Heat, uh, especially playing the big time D. Um, Memphis does that as well in a Western Conference where not a lot of teams are really doing that. And to me, that's what makes them a potentially dominant team in the future, is that defense. Yes, and also we've seen some of the offense as well. We could see some of our young players as we saw in Game 4, that triple overtime game against the Thunder. We saw Vasquez, who really has shown some potential, especially in, this, in that second round, especially coming out of Maryland. He's really improved, I think, as the years go on, gone on. and He could really be a great backup point guard behind Michael Conley, help lead the second unit. Uh, yeah, I've been impressed by how much of an almost true point guard Vasquez is. I thought he was more of a combo guard. Uh, so now moving on, this is Sports Talk Radio. There's a team that I think we're required by law to talk about, the Miami Heat, um, the most interesting team in sports. And they dominated the Celtics, winning in five. And to me, I think the Heat are here to stay. I think they're a dynasty. Yeah, like LeBron James said, not five, not six, not seven. I think this team could win multiple championships. They, like Even John Barry of ESPN has compared them to being – as good, if not better, that Wade-James combination to a Jordan-Pippen combination that won six championships in the 90s. Uh, exactly, and I think it's that Wade-James combination uh, that people have almost forgotten about. They've kind of gotten used to a concept of this big three, and taking away nothing from Chris Bosh, he's an elite player in the NBA, but this team has LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. This team has arguably the two best players in the league, two of the greatest to ever play the game. If you'd like to email the show, send it to www.voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. Make sure to mention my name, Fabian. Or my name, Jason. And mention the name of our show, which is Speaking of Sports. Tell us something or ask these questions that we could possibly answer or mention on the air. Think that's going to do it, and thanks for joining us. Listen to the show weekly on voiceamericakids.com. You can contact us once again at voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. Mention our name and show. We'll answer any response. I'm Jason. I'm Fabian. Be sure to keep it right here. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Thanks again for listening to Speaking of Sports on the Voice America Kids channel. Make sure you come on back next week for another great show. is VoiceAmericaKids.com. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today.